We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant the church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Well, let's start it up. Let's start it up. We, uh, last week, um, introduced our new series, calling it Sustained Revival, and we are studying this month um, what it means to make disciples, and, um, and we're excited to jump into it. Um, in honor of a, a little thing that we did during COVID, let's have a little review from last week, shall we? Are we ready? All right. Um, there's five questions, and the bonus question will get this book. So get your uh, get your juices flowing. Here we go. This is a family worship by Donald S. Whitney. So this is something that the Lord really did in a lot of our hearts. Uh, grew the family as we were um, together. Okay. So last week, kids, are you ready? Warming up, nice and stretched. We talked about a text that was from Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20, and that text, everyone can answer, here we go, that text is traditionally called, what? Nice job, nice job, the Great Commission, okay, don't be afraid to chime in, okay, here we go, number two, we noted that there, in the Great Commission, there was four active verbs, go, make disciples, baptizing, and teaching, and one of those was command, and three of them described how to do it. What was the command? Which of the four? What's that? Nice job. Well done. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> All right, number three is a good one. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? There's a couple answers to it, so you can just throw it out there. What's a disciple? A follower. Nice job. Good. What else? A learner. Yes. And maybe one more? A believer, absolutely, that's right, a believer, and, um, and, and like a student or an apprentice. Well done. You guys are like passing, flying colors. <laughs> I love it. Number four, who is called to make disciples? That's, that's right, all of us. Yep, you could say, I am, right? I am. So there's not a distinguishing thing for Jesus. He's not like, hey, only the varsity Christians can make disciples, but the JV got to sit the bench. Uh-uh. It's like, this is an all skate. Everyone who follows Jesus is called to make a disciple. And that is intrinsically tied into following Jesus, is making disciples. All right, this, here, here we go. This is the Moneyball question. Winner of the book, okay? Uh, last week... Um, I opened up with an illustration and I talked about tools. What was the name of the tool that my dad let me borrow? Wow, come on. Nailed it. Uh huh. Front row. Maybe it's just sound travels fast and things like that, but let's give, let's give him a hand. Good, good. That gift comes totally with strings attached, okay? Next week, let's have you uh, write a 10-page paper on it and hand it on it. <laughs> no, 
Uh, uh, right. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, uh, let's look at the text for today. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament, chapter 4, verse 19. Matthew, chapter 4, verse 19. It's a short verse. It says a lot. It says this. Are you ready? Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. If you don't have your Bible, it's up on the screen. I'll say it again. Jesus calls two people to a select few, and he looks at them in the eye, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, the title of the sermon today is Deliberate Discipleship. And the timeless truth, and if you're new here, if you're a guest visiting us, what, when we say timeless truth, what we mean is that every text presents an argument not just for the original audience, not just for the original listeners, but it's timeless in that we can read this text and be made alive by it and apply it to our own hearts. So it's not only true for the original hearers, but also for us today. It speaks to us. And when we open the Bible... It's like the heavens open up and God speaks. That's the power of the Bible, God's word. And so the timeless truth is this today, that following Jesus, parentheses, like being his disciple, his learner, his apprentice, learning his ways, embraces his strategy for making disciples. Following Jesus, being his disciple, embraces his strategy of making disciples. Some of you who like those words, that language, that vocabulary, strategy, you're going to get excited today. We're asking the question, did Jesus really have a strategy, a method when he was on earth in his public ministry? We're going to study the life of Christ and how he made disciples. That's, that's the plan for today. So two points. We're going to go follow me. Point number one. Point number two. And I will make you Fishers of men. Okay, so point number one, follow me. So this is a real short one with a little special treat in it. Okay, so follow me. Let's just define that. A follower of Jesus does just that. A follower of Jesus follows his ways. He learns him and does according to what he learns. And the primary way to learn and grow and know in Jesus is through his word and through his prayer and through prayer, right? Like if you are to make disciples and if you gleaned from last week that one of the major functions or methods of how to make a disciple is teaching them, which the Great Commission says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. We got to ask the question, how in the world are we supposed to know what I'm supposed to teach if I if I, if I never study what Jesus says, if I don't know him and I don't grow in him through his word. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to ask a special guest uh, to come on up and to share with us um, how, that she, how she's been growing to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, especially and uniquely during this time of COVID-19. This is to prime the pump for next week. Remember, next week is New Song Sunday, where we're going to spend text, uh, time in the text of Psalm 40, which says, Sing to the Lord a new song. 
And then we're going to have testimony time to say, what is your new song? What did the Lord teach you during quarantine? That was a global pandemic. Um, certainly the, the Lord like rattled our cages and shook us and stretched us in ways that, he, that, that it was unprecedented. So we want to hear from the body of Christ, okay? So this is the prime, the pump. Come on up, Pam. This is my sweet wife. And uh, on the 21st of this month, been married for 17 years. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Well, this is fun. <laughs> I, um, yes, this is to prime the pump. If I can get up and speak, all of you guys can get up and share your testimony <laughs> and share and testify what um, God has done in the past three months. Um, I'm going to share a verse with you. I'm going to share uh, how it applied to me. And then I'm going to share a story um, of a woman that, um, you know, you've heard the saying, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And so I try to be really intentional in my life about whose shoulders I'm standing on. And so um, I love to read biographies. And so I love to read about other women who have found their hope in Christ because um, uh, I, can, I can be refined by them and edified and encouraged by them. And so um, I want to share with you one such woman. Um, okay, 2 Timothy 3, it says, In the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an, a form or appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. And I want to share with you guys um, a, a, a time during quarantine when, I'm going to use a negative example, so, um, but a time during quarantine when I had the appearance of godliness, but I denied his power. And I'll probably get a little emotional because it's matters of the heart. And matters of the heart, you get emotional. Um, and so uh, the beginning of exam week in our home, and this example is a story of the mundane. And a lot of our life, we live in the mundane. And so we live in the laundry. We live in the, um, the helping our kids process through disagreements and things like that. And so we live in the mundane. So this is, this is a, a moment in the mundane for Hannah. So beginning of exam week in our home, I sat down to work on reviewing exams with my girls. And I was sitting with one of my daughters and she, she um, humbly was gracious in, allowed, in allowing me to use this story. But she, we started studying together and it became apparent that she wasn't quite ready for her exam. And my expectation for her to be ready on Monday, and the reality that we weren't anywhere near ready, um, uh, frustration rose in my heart. And so I was, in that moment, I wanted the product um, to be beautiful. And the Lord was calling me to a process. And so, and so I could see, I foresaw the process, and I was like, oh, I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting frustrated. And so in that, in that same moment, um, 
you know, mom, you, you praise God for the spirit who, who is our helper. And so in that same moment, the spirit of God ministered to my heart and he said, walk away, Hannah, you're getting frustrated. I, 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 he, he was, um, stirring my heart to walk away. And this is what I said in that moment, very, very, very like distinctly. I said, oh no, I got this Lord. I got this. You know, I'm not going to lose it. I got this. And I didn't have it. And so in my aim for control in that moment, like, no, I'm in control of myself, Lord. I got this. Um, I sinned in my frustration. And, um, and I sinned against one of my daughters. And so I, I was convicted. And I was grieved over, over um, my how I responded in frustration. And how I responded with how, like my expect, expectation of wanting her to be in the place that I wanted her to be, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. And so um, I repented and I went to her and I, I, I apologized. And, um, and uh, I, in that moment um, of, of not of not um, heeding to, or not responding to the spirit, I had a form of godliness, but denied the power of God. You know, I had God, this, the spirit was at work. And I said, no, I got it. Denying, denying the power of God. And in saying, thinking, deceiving myself that my way was good enough. And, um, and so, uh, um, and so anyway, we, so in that moment, so I went to my daughter and I apologized and I asked for forgiveness and I said, I want to be a part of your process. And I want to, I want to, I want to fight this battle with you and not against you because this battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's not against you know, masked or unmasked. It's not against, you know, our, our, you know, our, my, it's not against mother against daughter. It's not, but it's, um, it's, it's mom and daughter on one team. And we're going to fight this battle together, even though it's just a math battle, but we're going to fight it together. Right. And so, um, so we did, and she did great. I honestly don't even remember her grade, but it's not about the product. It's about the process, right? And we celebrated well with a lot of ice cream. Um, but I wanted to read to you guys something from this book um, it, about Gladys Alward and how um, just the idea of, of God ministering to our hearts and us, us denying the power. You know, because he speaks to all of those who are, are in Christ, right? He's ministering to all of us. And, and we have the opportunity to, to um, be a part of what he's doing in the process of what he's doing or to deny the power and go through a much more painful process. Um, and so uh, this story of Gladys Alward, she was a missionary to, in China, and um, she came to a place where she was really lonely. And she asked... Uh, was interviewing with Elizabeth Elliot at the age of 58. And she, um, she said, you know, there came a point where I was asking the Lord to um, send a man from 
um, England, she was from North London, and send a man from England to come over and to be my wife, or to be my husband. And so, and she was telling Elizabeth Elliot this, and she said, you know, I believe with all of my heart that God did call a man. He just chose not to respond. And that has, that stuck with me since I've read it. And, and that's kind of like my story with one of my girls is God does call. You know, God did call me to walk away. God does call us. But um, sometimes we just don't, we don't obey and we don't heed his wisdom. Yeah. And so um, anyway, that was one thing that I learned my process of surrender and learned during quarantine. That's good. Thanks, baby. Thanks for sharing about how uh, uh, Jesus takes you in process and helps you follow him. And um, she's a lot prettier than I am, but we will continue to go and hopefully you hear God's word instead of just look at me, you know, so... Um, so that's point one, follow me, right? So if you're looking to make disciples with your life, it's got to come from the overflow of your heart. Um, you got to lead from the overflow. You've got to be a fountain. And so you've got to meet with the Lord. There's some onus on you before you extend yourself. You don't have to be perfect, but God progressively helps you grow. And as you trust him to make disciples with your life, he will help you. Let's go to point number two. It says, and I will make you fishers of men. Story. All right. When? I've, I've shared this with you before, but kids, I hope that you forever remember this image, okay? When I was in college, I worked at a camp, and I was the fly fisher instructor, even though I'd never fly fished a day in my life, okay? It's called a fly fisher pole, Okay. And uh, this is the reel. Here's the pole. And you just kind of like bring it back and forth. Have you ever seen like Brad Pitt's A River Runs Through It? You got 10 and 2 right here, okay? 10, 2, 10, 2, okay? And I taught fly fishing and I like had a lot of it down, okay? I, when people would ask, how do you do this? I'd be like, oh, come here, it's so easy. It's just 10 and 2, just 10 and 2, right? And I taught people how to tie flies, okay? Tying flies is an art. And kids, you're going to laugh at this, but my favorite fly to tie, these are fake flies in here that you tie in the end of a string, was called the woolly booger. I know. Did you ever think that you would listen to a sermon and the pastor would say booger in the sermon? Okay. So I knew how to tie flies. I knew how to cast. And one time, okay, my brother came out and I said, let's go fly fishing together. Right. We're in Dur Durango, Colorado. Let's do this. So we got our waders on and he's, you know, he's casting and I'm casting. I've got like this cool Brad Pitt hat on, vest and things like that. Just enjoying the river, enjoying fly fishing. And he goes, after probably 10, 15 minutes of me instructing him in how to fly fish, he goes, so Mike, what do I do if I catch a fish? And I go, <laughs> Never instructed him on it. Never actually had caught one myself. <laughs> to this day, still, I've never caught one on this round. Right? I was all about the casting. 
I was all about the fish tying, the fly tying. I wasn't about catching fish. We can do this too as Christians. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And we get so excited about tying flies. We get so excited about the mechanics of casting that we forget our very calling of catching fish. That's what we're talking about today, okay? So let's, let's look at a first, uh, uh, at a couple things initially, okay? First, and there's a slide for this. It, it says that being a fisher of men means that people are a priority. So Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, okay? So friends, if you want to follow Jesus, you need to know that what is on Jesus's heart People. He loves people. His heart, his desire is for people. And those who follow Jesus progressively grow to love people. Okay? And, and they love to, to be near them and they love to help people grow nearer to Jesus. That's like their whole life ambition. Uh, so here's some of my favorite verses from Philippians. We went through this book earlier. Philippians 1, uh, Paul says, For I know that I will remain, and I won't depart and be with Jesus. I, I'm going to remain in this life. Why? Because I will partake in your joy and growth in the faith. Like his whole life ambition, he wants to help people grow in their joy and their faith towards Jesus. In, in chapter 2, he gets the opportunity, Paul, to commend one of his brothers in Christ, Timothy, and he says, I have no one else like him. He could say anything about this guy, but what does he say? This guy takes a genuine interest in others. For many look after their own interests, not that of Christ Jesus. A follower of Jesus loves to take interest in other people, not their own self, but in other people so that they can take the very interest in Christ. Do you hear that connection? If you love people, if you love Jesus, you want them to grow. One more, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul speaks of the life and mission of Christians and he likens it to an interview, okay? And it's almost like the interviewee says, well, show me your letter of recommendation. Like what you got? Show me your resume. And Paul goes, wait, you want a piece of paper? I will show you my letter of recommendation. It's people. It's, it's this, this is my life. This is my work. I pour myself out to other people. You want to know the Lord? You want to know the purpose of my life? Look. Look at all these fish that I love and I care and nurture for and train and help them follow Jesus. People are my letter of recommendation. All right, so how do I do that, okay? Like, how do I value people in my life? And so I just want to be practical, okay? This is not one big sermon or message uh, against introverts and for extroverts, saying it's really the extroverts who are following Jesus and introverts, like, get on board, come on. Start, like, liking people and stuff, right? No, okay? Introverts thrive at certain passages in Scripture, like 
the be still and know that I'm the Lord, right? They love it. They love reading about when Jesus went on the mountainside by himself, right? <laughs> and, and extroverts are like, ah, I don't really know. That was just a Jesus thing maybe, right? But like, let's, let's all grow together in this area. You can't be like, oh, I like this first. Don't like this first. I like this first. And so I'm going to do the ones that I like, right? This one is intensely relational, and we'll get there in a minute, okay? But I think at least we can say this. If people are the priority in your life, it might come across like this. Let's say your kid's on a sports team. And so you as the parent, the mom and dad, you go to the ball game, who do you sit with, right? What does conversation look like? Are you on your phone? Or do you go, you sit with someone and you go, hey, who's your kid out there? What's his name, right? Hey, what's your name? What do you do? Hey, this is, how about, all right, Johnny, good, your kid's doing it. That's great. You start taking an interest in other people's lives. If, you, if your kids are on sports, make it a goal to memorize every name of the kid out there. Every kid. Be awesome. Parents will be so blessed. Learn names. Get to know people. Um, let's say, like, let's say you, you hear me today and you go, oh, man, following Jesus means that I have to host every night of the week. Like, people have to be at my house. No, that's like, that's not it, okay? Like, moms, if you say no to a play date, it doesn't mean that you're not following Jesus, but your whole paradigm should shift when you're seeing that Jesus and following Jesus means having people in your life as a priority. It's a value system. So when you're walking uh, along the road uh, and your neighbor comes out, if you, if you value people, you're going to be willing to stop for just a few minutes and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, how'd it go for you during the quarantine? Yeah? Hey, what's your spiritual background? Hey, anything that I can be praying for? Hey, anything going on in your life that we can help you with? Hey, are you going out of town? I'd love to cut your grass. What Anything to move towards people. So hear me at first. Being a fisher of men means valuing what God values and God loves people. Therefore, people should be your interest. All right. So uh, the question that it has to be asked so far. All right, Mike, you gave a sports example. You shared a little bit about like walking in the neighborhood and talking. So is making disciples or is being a fisher of men, am I kind of getting from you, Mike, that I'm supposed to like be kind to everyone and commit random acts of kindness with my life? Like, am I just supposed to be this like little fairy that floats around and just like blesses people here and there with no sort of strategy or plan? And I would say, yes, yes. Like be kind to everyone. Be kind to the waiter, to the waitress, to the person at the checkout line, right? Like, like look, look to encourage them and get to know them. But when we're talking about being a fisher of men, and studying and following Jesus, we have to come to grips with, did Jesus have a strategy in his life? How did he spend his time? So that's the next point. Here we go. The strategy of Jesus is focused on a few. You got that? Strategy of Jesus 
he focuses on a few. All right, Newman, come on, but who? Like the whole world few, like six billion? And the, my whole community, my whole school, my whole church, can I disciple like everyone like that? Is that what you're talking about? Let's look at the life of Christ, okay? So although Jesus says that he desires all to be saved, during Christ's life on this earth, his three years of public ministry, he chose to spend the majority of his time with 12 ordinary men. They weren't prof professionals by any means, but they were committed to Christ. Uh, one of my favorite books written by Robert Coleman uh, called The Master Plan of Evangelism states, it all started by Jesus calling a few men to follow him. So before Jesus set up shop and did any sort of like preaching to the masses or like a big evangelistic outreach, he went to a few men and he said, follow me. That was his strategy to start and sustain worldwide revival. Amen? That's what he did. He invested into a few men with a vision for the whole world in all of time. All right, so the Great Commission calls us to make disciples. And, and that means following the patterns of Christ. And we're saying that Jesus lived his life, pouring it out for a few people. So how does this impact our church, our lives? Um, I would say just a few things, okay? Um, one, hopefully that's a relief to all of you, extroverts or introverts, to go, whew, okay, not everyone in the whole world. Like, if I'm going to follow Jesus, that Jesus wants me to, to make disciples of a few in my lifetime. Vision for our church. Hopefully this isn't new news or like some sort of sneaky stealth operation. This is the whole reason why we have community groups is to break us up into smaller groups so that we can focus on a few people to gain more traction, to help one another follow Jesus, right? So if you want to know, Lord, who have you put in my life? How would you help me make fishers of men? Or last week we defined it as, how would you help me help others follow Jesus? The first like concentric circle, but outside of the family would be your community group. Like look around and see if there's someone in there that the Lord lays on your heart and move towards them to help them grow in Christ, okay? How does that happen? I don't know all the time, right? But certainly our whole goal and efforts for you is not for you just to come and go to church. Like, oh, nice to see you and see you next Sunday. Like, we want you to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of her, and that of, of him. And that means that we help one another follow him. It's beautiful. It happens in all sorts of ways, like teaching each other and modeling each, with each other and loving one another and coaching one another and sometimes even correcting one another in love. But it is all sourced and it is all motivated in love for you to grow in him as a disciple of Jesus. Okay? All right, let's talk about some fears. I've, I've used it once now, but phrases like pouring your life into other people. How long does that mean? If I'm like to make disciples, 
what sort of commitment am I looking at for uh, with other people? Is it like three months? Is it three years? Is it 30 years? <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that, right? That's a little, that might be a little bit too much for me. I'm thinking through my capacity levels. I'm not there yet, right? Jesus loves it when you're honest with him about these things, by the way. I, uh, one of our friends back in Texas, uh, they bought a monkey. And I asked him one time, what's the life expectancy of uh, that monkey that you have? And he said, 80 years. <laughs> 80 years. How about that for commitment, huh? We just bought two bunnies, okay, with our stimulus check. I asked the lady, I said, hey, what's the life expectancy on this bunny? She goes, oh, you know, it's like 15 or 16 years. I was like, what? 15, 16 years? That's some commitment, right? All right, so I'm going to say this. If I can commit to a bunny for 15 years, I want to push you guys to commit to at least make the next step towards someone. You don't have to commit for 30 or 80 years like buying a monkey, but pray and ask the Lord, Lord, who, who would you have me like be used in, in, in their life? Like, How would you use me this week? And move towards them. Here's another definition that is going to help shape our understanding of what it means to make disciples. Okay, um, It says this, doing deliberate spiritual good in the life of another person. I'll read it again. Doing deliberate good, spiritual good, in the life of another person. So as you pray, Lord, what sort of spiritual good could I do that it would benefit another person? This is such a joyful way to live, okay? So just to, just to come back to that time thing, if you meet with someone or if you like begin a relationship with someone where they're looking to you for help spiritually, you don't have to meet with them forever once a week over coffee, okay? Um, it, 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 it doesn't, and doesn't necessarily, that's not the end goal, to meet once a week for the rest of your life because... And this is going to be our next point. The goal is that they would become a fisher of men too. So you help someone and then you call them to pay it forward. And that's how the kingdom of God grows. So you train someone and you help them and equip them. And they're not going to be ready. Just like you're not ready ever. But you send them to go do the same, or to go do likewise. So that's the next point. The strategy of Christ had the long-term goal of producing reproducers. And I realized that that's a strong statement. Like the goal of discipleship shouldn't just be to care for and nurture someone, although that is a part of it. It's to train them so that they could go and do likewise. So the strategy of Christ he had the long-term goal with these, with these guys that they would in turn be self-feeders and reproducers, right? He, Jesus, he desired them to do the work. He delegated the work of ministry. He supervised along the way as they did it and then equipped them and sent them out to carry the torch of Christianity. So I hope you get that as we look at the life of Christ, that Jesus said, hey, follow me. He invited them in to his life. 
not just not just to a, uh, to a certain curriculum or a set of 10 lessons or but his his life and he walked with them along the way in a genuine manner he enjoyed their company i say that because sometimes when you say this is how you advance the kingdom you start like interpreting it as this empire that is like going to take over and it's void of relationship it is like cold and it's like an army and we're just going to conquer but jesus invited his disciples into himself his in, into a relationship it wasn't a cold theology it was him Like when Jesus, when he rose from the dead and he appeared to some, his disciples, like they were fishing, they were on this boat and they, they saw him on the shore and they did is that, is that him? That looks like him. Kind of his stature, his height. And as they came closer, they saw it was him and they ran to him. And what was Jesus doing? He's cooking them breakfast. Come have a meal with me. I love you. I just want to, I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to help you. At our church, uh, we define like our vision uh, with arrows so we can remember it. You say up, in and out. And uh, I just want to close with a couple of these questions that fit into each category. And I think it'd be really helpful for you over lunch, over this week to take a three by five card and really do some soul searching and ask these questions to yourself, with your spouse, with your family, things like that. These are good, fundamental questions that should drive your schedule, should drive your heart. They should, they should stir your affections. Uh, the first one, so this is up. Like, how am I doing following Jesus? Like, how can I grow this week in my love and understanding and obedience to him? Right? How am I doing? In what areas could I grow in my love and relationship towards God? It's the great commandment to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Let's talk about in. So the first one is just how am I doing, okay? With the Lord's in. Ready? Who are my people? Like who are the few that I am aiming at to deliberately do spiritual good? Who are the few? And try to be as specific as possible. What I mean is, see if you can get down a name or three. Out. Who are my people? Who are the people that I'm asking for and praying about that the Lord would open their hearts to the gospel? Lord, how would you use me this week in the life of this person who is far from the Lord? Out, arrow. Who are my people? What are their names? And friends, Jesus today says to you, follow me. He's got this invitation. And I will make you fishers of men. This is not just an instant, all of a sudden I'm a fisher of men and I'm good and ready to go. He makes you. He helps you. He forms you into a fisher of men. And wherever you are, he'll help you grow. It's not equative or immediate. It's a process. But his goal is that you would be a fisherman. And he forms you to this end. 
So follow Jesus with your life and seek to catch fish this week. Don't be like me. It's like enamored with how to cast and how to tie flies, things like that. Make it your aim to catch fish. And ask the Lord to use you in the lives of others because people are a priority. You can't reach everyone in the whole world. So say, Lord, who are a few that you might use this week? And seek to do deliberate good in their life, spiritually. And trust the Lord with it. Don't try to answer the question of time right now. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Seek to do good by the power of the Holy Spirit today. And hopefully, prayerfully, you can say, pay it forward. Go and do likewise. Help others. Let's pray. Lord, that's our prayer this week. Would you help us be fishers of men? And Lord, we don't have the fanciest of poles. We don't have the best lures to attract. We have the gospel. And we are relying and trusting on you to work in and through us so that hearts would be opened, so that you may draw others in. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, last week was sweet with our exit. We're going to do the same thing. This is called the African exit. So we will sing a verse. We'll sing a chorus. And then we'll watch each other. We'll turn inwards. And we won't bottleneck as we go out the door. But we'll continue to sing the chorus. And we're going to form a circle. It doesn't look like it's raining out there. It looks real nice. Kids, remember, don't go in the parking lot. Follow your parents. Form a circle, we'll continue, and then we'll do a benediction outside together. Cool? All right, would you stand and let's close with a song together. How lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, and thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere thousands elsewhere how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord Almighty for my soul longs and even faints for you 
for here my heart is satisfied within your presence i sing beneath the shadow of your wings no better is one day in your courts Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day. And thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day. Thousands elsewhere. Thousands elsewhere. Ah, thank you for joining us today.